0: Hello movie buffs and fans of the silver screen, welcome to a very special episode of The Rating Room, where today we are diving headfirst into the captivating world of one of Hollywood's most beloved and iconic figures. He's none other than the one
1: and only Tom Hanks. From his early days trailing the boards in community theatre to the grand stages of Hollywood's biggest blockbusters, Tom Hanks has enchanted us with his talent, his charm and his incredible range. Join us as we journey through his illustrious career, from the laughter of Big, to the heart-wrenching drama of Philadelphia and everything in between. We'll explore the impact he's had on Hollywood, the characters that have become etched into our hearts, and the unforgettable moments that made us cry, Wilson! Without further ado, let's embark on the cinematic adventure as we celebrate the life, the career, and the magic of Tom Hanks. Cue the music.
0: Just before we get into it, Andy, I just want to say I, I like doing these end-of-season specials because it kind of puts a, a bit of a bookend and a nice bit of closure, doesn't it, before we move on to something new?
1: Wraps everything up in a nice little bow, doesn't it?
0: It does. It's like watching, you know when you watch a TV show and they, they get cancelled, so you don't know how it ends. I like that we get to finish these seasons and put our nice little ending on them.
1: But no cancellations here. We're, we're still going strong.
0: Yes, yeah, oh, probably not my health, but yeah, we're still going strong. So, let's get back into it. So, Tom Hanks was born Thomas Jeffrey Hanks on the 9th of July, 1956, in Concord,
1: California. Hanks was the third of four children, born to Janet Marilyn Frager, a hospital worker, and Amos, or Amos, Mefford Hanks, a cook. His parents divorced when he was just four years old, and he and, and, he and his siblings were primarily raised by their father.
0: Yeah, his, his mother was from a Portuguese family and his father had English as ancestry. Hanks is a distant cousin of President Abraham Lincoln, which we I personally didn't know, Andy, before we were doing the research for this episode. And incidentally, so is the actor, Jules Clooney. So I thought there were a couple of fascinating facts. And Andy, before I let you jump in, I've got my DNA results from Ancestry.com through recently. And... As you know, I originally come from Essex, I'm an Essex boy, so I think it was something like 70-75% of my DNA is English, um, it was around 20% um, Denmark and Swedish, and then the remaining bit was a mixture of Welsh and Irish.
1: There you go, kind of uh, a resident Gaelic Viking, I guess, <laughs> my grandmother was born in Raised for a few years in South Africa. Really? So uh, we've got an international flavour between the two of us, in a manner of speaking. Indeed.
0: Like our audience all across the world. Five continents, Andy. We've got listeners from yeah. five so continents. What, which I've continent heard. are we missing? We'll <laughs> Antarctica, I'm guessing. Not, Antarctica. Not so popular. Yes. And it is, from memory, um, Australia. Australia is, what is it? Oceania?
1: Oceania, Australasia
0: yeah australasia yeah from um, well you put me on a spot there andy i had to think back
1: they've always been a bit behind the times over there haven't they anyway so they'll uh, they'll, <laughs> they'll get, get us in a few years we do get
0: uh, we're, uh, visitors from um from australia to our website actually but um, i don't think we've got listeners at the moment they've got the internet right. in australia well that's <laughs> i wouldn't insult people because i was listening over
1: there are they? so let's, <laughs> let's have a go while we can
0: and I, based on my ancestry, and yes, uh, apologies if you know this already. But when you put your DNA on the the website, um, well, sorry, DNA is obviously on there because they upload it. But you have an option where you can um, make it like available, and it will show you everyone that's done the same, where you share the same markers. So it actually puts it on the the the, the map of the world. So ev so all the markers I've got. Um, the, like you mentioned about Africa I've got no relatives in Africa but I can see like across America across Europe and Australia and New Zealand I got so I think it was something like 4,000 matches in terms of actual people that have logged on and registered and done the DNA test with them
1: yeah we're learning things as we go along um, if anyone's still listening we are still talking Tom Hanks so should we <laughs> should we get back to, back to it Um But I didn't know. That was fascinating, Jay. I didn't know any of that. Now, something I did know is that Hanks has been married twice. Firstly, to an actress, Samantha Lewis, and they were married in 1978 and divorced in 87. And then in 1988, just a year later, Hanks married actress Rita Wilson, and they've been together ever since. Yes, I I
0: didn't know he was married twice. I knew about Rita Wilson. And we've we've mentioned Rita Wilson in um, one of our episodes um, during season two. And also Tom Hanks has three sons, one from his first marriage, and that's Colin, and I know I've mentioned him before, he's in Band of Brothers, and two from his current marriage with Rita Wilson. And for the listeners out there who do have an interest in sports, with me and Andy, we do like football, English football, um, that's soccer to our American listeners hanks supports the english football team aston villa now i knew that because you do see him sometimes in the stadium so it does make our news
1: yeah i knew that as well i'm not sure how or why he came to pick aston villa whether it was name out of a hat type thing or he's got some affin- affinity with uh, the birmingham area but uh, an interesting Maybe. choice
0: I do remember when we were writing this, Andy, that it was from the nineteen eighties when he started to support um, to support Aston Villa. So he's been doing it for a while. He's not obviously not seen um, much success <laughs> during that time
1: with Aston Villa. Well, they had the, the European title in eighty two, didn't they? I think, oh. it, I think it was. Yeah. And it was after that. A lot of nothing ever since, I think. <laughs> Pretty much. But uh, I can't speak being a being a Forest fan myself. But uh, anyway, let's not talk football. We'll bring the mood down. Um, Hanks developed an early interest in acting. His father's influence played a role in nurturing this passion. When his father remarried, Tom moved with his family to Oakland, California, where he attended Skyline High School. It was during his high school days that he started participating in the school plays.
0: Yeah, so after high school, Hanks attended college in California, where he continued to explore his interest in theatre, And then he transferred to university in Sacramento, but dropped out to pursue acting full-time. Hanks' breakthrough in film came in the 1984 romantic comedy Splash, directed by Ron Howard. And the film's success helped establish him as a a rising star in Hollywood. And that's a film that I I really liked, and I remember watching that.
1: Yeah, that's uh, a classic, if ever there was one. Now also we're going to talk about Hanks' film career in a bit more detail, but before we do... Let's just talk about some of his uh, other interests and efforts. He's known for his philanthropy and support for various charitable causes. His involvement in charity work and his use of his platform has raised awareness for social issues, setting a positive example for others in the industry to make a difference beyond the screen.
0: Yeah, it's very heartwarming when people you know, use their celebrity power and fortune to help other people. And as Andy mentioned, he... Tom Hanks has been involved with lots of different organisations, charitable events, and some of the ones that he is currently, or has been involved with, are over 30 charities at the time of recording, and that includes American Foundation for AIDS Research, Cancer Research Institute, Children's Health Fund, Red Red Cross, and many, many more.
1: Yeah, it's always nice to hear about your heroes using their power for good. Um, Now, one thing we did did in Season 1, quite a bit of this, but not so much Season 2, was memorable movie quotes now there' are quite a few attributed to Tom Hanks, so we've prepared a few here haven't we um, jay, you go first let's um let's take a handful each what What are some of your more memorable quotes that you remember from Hanks?
0: listeners of season one will know that I cannot act, and i i, I don't put on any voices so i'm just going I'm just going to say it mandy, so feel free if you want to do any kind of voice acting. I'll put you on a spot now you, you might feel like you you're obliged to do it but This is one that I think is probably one of his most famous ones, and it is from the film A League of Their Own, you know, the baseball classic film. And, Andy, I watched baseball recently, and, oh, it's very boring. (laughs) I couldn't get into baseball. Uh, Very slow. Now, this is the quote. There's no crying in baseball.
1: That's that's pretty good, yeah. Now, uh, one of my favourite quotes is from one of my favourite films, and that is... My mum always said life is like a box of chocolates; you never know what you're gonna get. That was that, was, that was my Forrest Gump impression. Was, no, no, very good. It's was, it was not my best. You know, whenever we
0: talk, whenever we talk about Forrest Gump, Andy, I just <laughs> it just comes to mind that story that you told us during the Forrest Gump episode. You know where the the person impersonating Forrest Gump said something about you being a bit... Um, yeah. Shall I, very shall, very I tell, shall I tell the story yeah, yeah. again Recap at
1: this point? It, it? So, back in 2004, I was on holiday with uh, with my my girlfriend, my sister, and my sister wanted a, a photograph with Forrest Gump, who was in San Francisco outside the Bubba Gump shop. And this was a, a Forrest Gump impersonator, not Hanks himself, obviously. And um, she sat next to of Forrest Gump and I'm trying to work the camera and I'm having no success because I'm not um, not very good with technology and uh, she's having to tell me how to use the camera and Forrest Gump just turns to my sister and says your brother is not a smart man
0: I love that I love that and so another famous quote by Hanks and it's, a, it's another film that we didn't cover in season two and what and again one of my favorite films this is from the 1995 apollo 13 film and this is a famous one this is houston we have a problem
1: yeah that's a cultural quote not just a film one isn't it i'll i'll take one here and i'm gonna put you on the spot jay i'm gonna ask you to guess which film this is from okay okay the quote is you've got mail
0: oh that's a difficult one andy that one what could it be? Is it uh, Postman Pat?
1: Oh, that's close. It's close. No, it's Postman <laughs> Pat 2. No, <laughs> of course you. You know, sometimes it's that simple. But yeah,
0: hmm. it's it's a film that is. I like romantic comedy films, and I think that is that would be in my top ten rom- romantic comedy films. Regardless of it's Hanks, just generally, because I I really do like that film. And it just, it's just, if I watched it with any of my kids, it would just be so dated, you know, because from memory, it's dial up internet as well, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's old school email, which consider when you say that email is old school, that makes me sound very old, doesn't it? Yeah, if they did that today, it would be, I don't know, you swiped left or right i don't know which way it is but you swipe a certain way don't you (laughs) for the ones you like and ones so i'm
0: i'm led to yeah believe and andy why this is making us feel a bit old i just want to tell you something i gave one of my daughter's friends a lift um home um, in the last few weeks and in the back of my car i've got um, my car's not very fancy i've got the manual you know bits that you have to turn to wind down the window
1: yeah,
0: yeah, yeah—the yeah. little handle thing that you wind around—and she looked at it and said, "What's that for?" <laughs> it's oh, like to yeah. wind down the window. he's like, "Oh, we have buttons." <laughs> 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 so yeah, that—that that just made me feel old. That did, and obviously, I'm only in my early forties, as Andy reminds us nearly in every episode.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't need to say anything. You've said it enough for yourself. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, this next one is it's a bit longer. It's from the Turn and Hooch um, film from 1989. Again, a, 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 a very good film. We didn't we didn't cover this one. We were we had to be really strict in terms of the films that we we rewatched, or sometimes in my case, watched for the first time in season two. Now, these are the simple rules: no barking, no growling. You will not lift your leg to anything in this house. This is not your room. And a lot of people are probably aware that. The Turner and Hooch um, had a TV series um, on Disney Plus in the last few years, which I, if I recall, we watched the first season and I think it got cancelled. And from memory, it was based on um, Tom Hanks' character's son. So Tom Hanks like, passed away and um, the son um, inherited the, the dog. Um, I, I, can't, I don't think it's, a, it can't be the same dog, but it inherited a dog. And he he was a copper as well,
1: policeman. Yeah, no, that's a good that's a good quote that from a good film, not a romantic comedy. In the same, you know, that's that's not a, a line he was giving to a girlfriend. That was to the dog, just to clarify <laughs> for any listeners out there. Um, moving on, last one from me, Toy Story, absolute classic of a film from nineteen ninety five. This town ain't big enough for the two of us.
0: There's a a few different ones, isn't there, from Toy Story, and you know that is. I think Toy Story, the, obviously Buzz Lightyear some classics and obviously Woody um, has one. Now Andy's uh, uh, has obviously alluded to this next one early on in the intro and this is from the castaway film from 2000. Wilson! That's, that's, that's done. my bit of acting. Yeah, nicely done, Jay. Thank you. Now, that, that's the quotes. Now, looking at Tom Hanks' impact, he, he's had a massive impact on Hollywood. In numerous ways. And we're just gonna touch on some of these now. So when you look at the box office, Tom Hanks and obviously listeners that have been listening each week we we talk about the box office draw. So some of these, um, you know that he brings in lots of money and he's been consistent in the box office draw throughout his career.
1: Yeah, his involvement in film is pretty much a guarantee of commercial success. It's made him a really bankable star in Hollywood. And to date, as of this recording, on this hot sweaty night in September twenty twenty three, His films have generated over $10.8 billion in worldwide box office returns.
0: Yeah, it's a um, fascinating, remarkable number, really. And when you look at the top leading actors for the U.S. domestic box office, he's actually ranked number five in terms of generating box office. Now, he's only behind Samuel L. Jackson, Robert Downey Jr., Scarlett Johansson, and Chris Pratt. Now, there's a theme there in terms of those actors. And it's a fascinating um, observation, really, because all those actors have obviously appeared in the MCU films, so they make cameo appearances, um, they, they obviously lead as well. So there's a lot of films that they're actually in. And if you remove the MCU franchise um, from the numbers, then that would mean Tom Hanks would be king of the box office.
1: That is a fascinating observation, I completely agree. Let's spread the net a little bit wider, shall we, and go with worldwide box office. And Hanks is actually ranked 29 in the worldwide box office for actors have appeared in all film roles. So this will include voice roles, cameos, minor supporting roles. And a remarkable stat here, and uh, I didn't know this until I'm just about, you know, I'd looked at the notes five seconds before I'm going to read this one out. The number <laughs> one person in this ranking, Stan Lee. And I guess it makes it makes sense now I think about it. But if you have if you put me on the spot and asked me to guess, I would have never picked his name.
0: Yeah, he, he's been in lots of films that like obviously as you know, cameo appearances. And he's you know, he's obviously been in MCU films, the Spider-Man films as well, any kind of other Marvel films that might have been done before the MCU. So he, that is, yeah, astounding. Um, obviously the the late Stan Lee. Now if you remove the supporting roles voice acting roles and you're only focusing now on the leading actors hanks is actually number 11 in the worldwide box office chart so obviously i mentioned the the top five that's for the u.s box office and now this is the worldwide box office number 11 so very impressive and his appeal is obviously worldwide and not just in america
1: yeah he's a big name home and away and uh you would argue that this financial success has contributed largely to the industry's stability and profitability.
0: Yeah, definitely. He's very bankable, as we've, as we've said. Now, it isn't just about the money that is bankable. Hanks does have this ability to seamlessly transition between different genres. And obviously, we, we've covered a number of genres in this um, season, So, sort of from comedy to drama to historic films. He's shown the industry the value of versatility in an actor.
1: Yeah, he's proved a single actor can excel in various roles, which obviously paves the way for others to explore a wide range of characters rather than being typecast. Um, we've put together just a few examples of Tom Hanks in, in some of the different genres.
0: Yeah, so continuing my, my Wilson quote earlier, I'm, I'm going to talk about drama. So Tom Hanks obviously um, has been in numerous outstanding performances in drama um, films, dramatic films. And I suppose, you know, what I alluded to, the the notable one there is Chuck Nolan in Castaway where obviously he he, he plays the f- where he plays a FedEx executive stranded on a deserted island and that's showcasing his incredible range as an actor and um, it, the film is obviously 2 plus hours and the most of the time he's on his own
1: yeah excellent film excellent dramatic actor i would think of Hanks in a comedy setting as well he's, he's quite a funny guy isn't he and no finer example arguably than the film Big, where he plays a child who magically becomes an adult overnight. There's a humour and charm in this film. It's made it a real classic in the comedy genre.
0: It is a, a very classic, and obviously kicked off our season two film, um, Big. Now, expanding on comedy, romantic comedy, and as Andy mentioned, You've Got Mail, he's obviously done The Sleepless in Seattle as well, which is a, a, a good film, and... He's displayed his romantic side, obviously, with Meg Ryan in both of those films. So he, he does romantic comedy films to brings it to the next level. Like I said earlier, you've got males in my top ten romantic
1: films. Absolutely. Let's go to the other side of the spectrum, though, shall we? War. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. But Tom Hanks is very good in, in war films, including powerful performances in war, war films such as Save It Private Ryan where he played Captain John Miller. And uh, this role in this intense war drama earned him critical acclaim.
0: Yeah, brilliant film, Saving Private Ryan. Now this one, Andy, I can't say if it's brilliant or not, because it's a film I've not actually seen. So science fiction genre. Now, you don't really think of Hanks with science fiction. I, I don't personally, but there is Cloud Atlas and that is a, a complex gender sorry <laughs> gender in, in it's a complex film genre blending um film as far as i'm aware as well based on the research and i do know and i think you mentioned this andy but i, I know as well he plays multiple characters across different times as well so again it's another um, opportunity to showcase his versatility so like i said i am not seeing it so i don't know if you've got any thoughts on that Andy. or you want to talk about it later but Cloud Atlas sci-fi
1: It is a film I've seen um, very science fiction-y I think is uh, is one description, but let's go away from fiction and back to reality because Tom Hanks is known for some biopics as well, he took on the role of real life figure Captain Richard Phillips in the film Captain Phillips which was a thriller based on the hijacking of the Mershk Alabama by Somali fire. The Mershk Alabama by Somali pirates, easy for me to say uh, This role you would argue falls into not only biographical but also the thriller genres.
0: Last you know, that we're going to cover is fantasy, and and Andy mentioned you know he did the quote Toy Story Woody, he, Hanks has voiced Woody in four films, and as we've mentioned in our previous ep- one of our previous episodes, he's he's going to do the fifth Toy Story film as well. So he he's lent his voice to fantasy, and that obviously combines the different elements from fantasy and adventure as well. And again, it just showcases his ability to bring these animated characters to life. So it, it's it's I I, just, I I can't think of many actors Andy that seems to that seem to take on such diverse roles.
1: I think it's very easy to be typecast, isn't it? And it's very easy to stay in your comfort zone. But I think Tom Hanks has has proven that because he's not exclusively associated with a single genre, he's got this willingness to take on diverse roles and. His acting skills have allowed him to excel in basically every genre he's tried throughout his career
0: yeah indeed and when you think about hanks he's very much a cultural icon as well he's, he's very likable he seems to be very relatable on screen as well and people just just like him worldwide you know and that is reflected in like the box office stats as well worldwide and people obviously going to watch these different films, and, and Andy said he's not tight cars, and you know he, he's not being he's not being kind of, I can't think of the word. I don't know if it's seduced, but he's not being kind of um, headhunted to come into the MCU because MCU you know you know the Marvel universe seems to occasionally pull in these big famous actors, and at the moment he, he's not gone into apart from. Toy Story off top of my head I can't think he does many if any other franchises
1: No, that's a, a fair observation I'm sure he would excel if he ever took the reins of something like a, a Marvel or a DCU or whatever type uh, universe or multiverse that he would be pulled into but he's uh, he stayed clear for now but his references to him and his characters have become part of everyday pop culture which just showcases his influence on how people perceive and discuss film and kind of
0: expanding on the relatable on-screen personnel as well, off-screen, he does have a reputation as one of the nicest and most professional individuals in Hollywood as well.
1: Yeah, it shows um, he's a role model, isn't he, for a aspiring and established actors because of his craft, his humility, and the way he respects everyone around him. Um, yeah, he's someone that young budding actors and actresses can look up to.
0: Yeah, definitely. And He he seems to be I've I've personally not met him and um, I don't believe Andy's met him or he's obviously met um, an impersonator in terms of Forrest Gump but Hanks he, he is known to be very gracious and approachable to his fans as well and there are numerous stories on the internet of him taking time to interact with fans, sign autographs, even take photos. And there's at least two instances where he has photobombed at least two weddings and then taking time out of his day to talk to the bride and groom. And that, that's a, a memorable occasion.
1: Yeah, how do you take the most memorable day of your life and make it even more memorable? That would be one way of doing <laughs> it, wouldn't it? Um so yeah, as as discussed, Hanks has got a real positive reputation, and his reputation, you know, just extends to the set as well. He's known for being extremely professional and easy to work with. Many co-stars and directors have praised his attitude and his work ethic, and uh, we've we've part- compiled just a few examples, haven't we, just to highlight that because I think it's worth calling out.
0: Definitely, and we we've obviously watched two films from memory that have been directed by steven spielberg in season two and spielberg has referred to hanks as one of the greatest living actors um, as well i don't think you can really argue with spielberg there
1: no emma watson stated in an interview that hanks was generous funny and easygoing
0: and another director ron howard who's obviously directed him in apollo 13 uh, stated that hanks is grounded centered funny and smart
1: yeah, and the praise keeps coming. Aaron Eckhart once said in an interview that he heard Hanks give a speech, and it was one of the best speeches he'd ever heard. And he would vote for Hanks as the U.S. president. That's that's some high praise if ever there was any.
0: Yeah, and I think I don't know what his politics is um, in terms of Hanks, and we don't talk about politics um, politics on this podcast. But you, we've obviously seen famous actor uh, becoming a, a U.S. president in Reagan. Reagan. And we've obviously seen Arnold Schwarzenegger being, um, is it a senator? Uh, The governor.
1: The governor of California. That's it. And
0: Yeah. Yeah, as well. So you can imagine if Tom Hanks did that, he'll he'll surely get a a few votes. Now, let's talk a bit more. Um, You know, we we talked about his on screen, off screen. So away from acting, he, he does have a significant role as a producer and filmmaker. And he's got a production company called Playtone, and it's been involved in successful projects like the miniseries Band of Brothers and From
1: Earth to the Moon. Yeah, so this demonstrates his ability to shape compelling stories, contribute to the industry on a wide range of capacities. So let's talk about Playtone for a a little bit, shall we? Because it's obviously very important to his life and career, and it's not something we've spoken about on previous episodes, but uh, the company was... Founded in 1998 by Hanks and the producer Gary Gertzman. Yeah, the company's
0: name, Playtone, is derived from the fictional record label in the film That Thing You Do, which I've not personally seen, Andy. And it's a f- movie that was written and directed by Tom Hanks. And it was one of the company's first projects.
1: It was actually the directorial debut from Tom Hanks.
0: Yeah, and, you know, we, we talked about directing and We've mentioned the, the produced TV series and films. And some of the films that Playtone have produced are... Andy, do you want to start us off?
1: Yeah, um, and this is a list I wasn't aware of, but uh, Castaway is one of the ones produced by Playtone.
0: My Big Fat Greek Wedding, which I remember we discussed this because it kept one of the films off that we watched, the, the top chart position, and it was that one for, from memory, or it was in the top ten from him. I can't remember which film it was we
1: watched No, I remember discussing it, I can't remember the film um, but we've we've spoken about one of his animated films of course being Toy Story, but uh, there's another animated film that's from the Playtown company and that is The Polar Express
0: Yeah, and I know we've spoken about this one at least in season one, Mamma Mia, when we were talking about James Bond
1: Yes we did and it's a film we'll never ever be watching or covering on the Rating <laughs> room podcast, I assure you of that um, Another one that comes to mind is Charlie Wilson's War, and there are several others as well, but we've got a pretty extensive list where his production company have been at the forefront.
0: Definitely, and just expanding on that a little bit more before we move on, um, I've mentioned TV programs. Now, Playtone have also produced, um, you know, Band of Brothers that I've mentioned before, but also Big Love, The Pacific, and... An upcoming Apple TV Plus exclusive called "The Masters of the Air" with Steven Spielberg.
1: Yeah, and overall, you'd have to say Playtone is known for its commitment to producing engaging and impactful content across the different mediums and genres.
0: One of the things that we did in season one, when we focused on the different James Bond actors, was when we we talked about the awards and honors, and we've we've mentioned the some of the awards um, that Tom Hanks has. Um, achieved during season two so we're just going to go through some of these now because he's earned critical acclaim multiple academy awards nominations it's just there's loads of things that has made him one of the industry's finest actors and some of the highlights are here andy
1: yeah this is an extensive list and well deserved uh, six academy award nominations including consecutive wins for best actor for the films philadelphia and forest comp
0: 12 Primetime Emmy Award nominations for his work on television, which includes seven wins for his work as a producer.
1: He got a, a nomination for a Tony Award for Best Actor in a play for Lucky Guy.
0: Um, five BAFTA nominations.
1: Five Golden Globe Awards out of 11 nominations total.
0: And there's many, many, many more. There's, there's too many that we could um, go through here for hours going through the, the awards and honors he has got. Talk about honours, there's, there's a few here that we just wanted to kind of just highlight.
1: Yeah, the AFI Life Achievement Award in, in 2002 was uh, a significant one.
0: Um, the Presidential Medal of Freedom in
1: 2016. He was given the Golden Globe Cecil B. DeMille Award, and I've butchered that name I'm sure, but uh, an honourable award nonetheless, who um, was given in 2020.
0: An award, Andy, that if I recall, at least two Bond actors got that as well from memory. Um, I think Connery and maybe Roger Moore. I remember that one coming up in those episodes.
1: Oh, uh, that rings about Connery especially, yeah.
0: Yeah. And the French Legion of Honour in 2016 for his um, work in terms of the World War as well.
1: Yeah, so there's a, a whole range of awards, honours, nominations that he can be very, very proud of. But what he really wants to know and what everyone wants to know is, well, how did he rank on our rating room rankings? So for regular listeners, if you've listened to the other 10 episodes of season two, we'll have gone through some of these in a little bit of detail. But uh, we're going to give you all the juicy ratings and rankings for every film that graced our screens this season, covering the highs and lows of our cinematic journey into what we are calling the Tom Hanks top 10 which is really just a random ten films that we picked, but uh, let's not let the facts get in the way of a good story, shall we? Uh, let's let's do as we always do. Let's start with some run times. Jay, why don't you kick us off?
0: Just before I jump into it, remember, you can get all these from our website as well, www.theratingroom.com. So that's the last time I'm going to say that. So you just look at the website if you do want to see the full list. Now, run times. Number one, The Green Mile, three hours, nine minutes. Number two, Saving Private Ryan, 2 hours 50 minutes. Castaway Away at 2 hours 23 minutes in third spot. Fourth spot, Forrest Gump, 2 hours 22 minutes. And last one from me, number five, Catch Me If You Can, 2 hours 21 minutes.
1: Yeah, our sixth longest film in season two was Captain Phillips at 2 hours 14 minutes, followed by Philadelphia at 2 hours and 6 minutes. Roads Perdition clocked in at one hour fifty-seven minutes to put it in eighth spot. Big was one hour forty-four, and the shortest film that we watched during season two was Toy Story, which was just an hour and twenty-one minutes. Now let's talk money, shall we? That's what we really like to talk about on the Rating Room podcast: the box office. So, for the same ten films, we talked about the budget worldwide box office, and then we ranked them by adjusted box office order. So, using that criteria, top of the pile was Forrest Gump from 1994, which had a budget of 55 million, worldwide box office of 679.8 million, and the all important adjusted box office was just under $1.4 billion. Absolute juggernaut there. Saving Private Ryan was not too far behind with a 68 million budget. 485 million worldwide box office and just over 902 million in the adjusted box office stakes. Third in our list was Cast Away from 2000. 90 million was the budget, the most expensive film we watched in season two, incidentally. The worldwide box office returns were 427 million and the adjusted box office is just over $752 million. Toy Story, number four made in 1995 with a 30 million dollar budget so quite uh, quite sensible compared to some on the list generated 365 million dollars worldwide adjusted for inflation that is now 727 million dollars and number five on our list was 2002's catch me if you can 52 million dollar budget yielded 355 million dollars of worldwide box office and just under six hundred million in the adjusted box office stakes.
0: And continuing the green mile in number six position, sixty million dollars budget, nearly two hundred and ninety-one million in terms of worldwide box office, and that means the adjusted box office was five hundred and twenty-nine million, just over. Seventh spot, Philadelphia, twenty-six million budget. Just over 201 worldwide box office and when you adjust that it is 422 and a half million dollars and big. Our very first film of season 2. The smallest budget 18 million. The the worldwide box office was 151 million dollars and that meant the adjusted box office was 387 million dollars. Now, Road to Perdition, one of the the more modern films from 2002. A big budget, but not as big as the uh, the earlier film that Andy mentioned, Castaway. $80 million in terms of the budget. But, you know, I suppose a bit disappointing in terms of the box office return was $183 million. And the adjusted was just shy of $310 million. Now, last place... In terms of the films that we covered in season two captain phillips 55 million budget 220 and a half million dollars in terms of worldwide box office and that meant the adjusted box office is 287 million dollars now a quick observation there Andy. in terms of the run times we mentioned and the box office you get your value for money don't you you know tom hanks has been in some long films but those films have you know they brought in the, the box office returns, So you can't be arguing there.
1: Uh, Value for money, yeah. Good job you don't pay by the minute for some of those films, <laughs> not <doesn't it?
0: laughs> Indeed, indeed. So the next one we, we looked at was characters. So obviously this is um, slightly different to the ones we just talked about. This is where me and Andy actually rank them independently. So I've got a top ten and Andy's got a top ten. So I'm just going to go through my top ten quickly and then I'll pass over to Andy. Now... The first film, the first character, Forrest Gump, my favourite, Andrew Beckett in number two from Philadelphia. Captain Miller in third spot, the bronze medal, saving Private Ryan. Now Woody from Toy Story is in fourth spot. Josh Baskin from Big in fifth. Paul Edgecombe in the Green Mile at sixth position. And Charles Chock Noland from Castaway is in seventh. Michael Sullivan, Road to Perdition, in eighth, and Carl Hanratty, Catch Me If You Can, from Episode Ten. And talking about ten in last spot, Captain Richard Phillips from Captain
1: Phillips. Andy, yeah, some uh, some good parts that you've put in low places there, although. Tenth out of ten is not necessarily a bad thing, because obviously we're not going through his entire catalogue. But um, I've got some similarities, some differences in in my list. So I actually ranked Andrew Beckett from Philadelphia as my favourite character, just ahead of Forrest Gump from the film Forrest Gump, surprisingly. Um, Captain Miller from Saving Private Ryan was third for me as well, followed by Paul Edgecombe from The Green Mile. Carl Hanratty from Catch Me If You Can came in fifth, just ahead of Josh Baskin from Big... Chuck Noland from Castaway was my seventh spot. Woody from Toy Story was P8. Michael Sullivan from Road to Perdition came in at ninth. And the bottom of my list as well was Captain Richard Phillips from the film Captain Phillips. So we've got uh, a little bit of crossover there, a little bit of difference of opinion, but uh, generally I think we're in in broad agreement um, for most. Top three are the same, just in different order. Indeed, yes. And uh, our bottom, our our number 10 is the same. Our number 7 is the same. And, you know, some are one or two places apart. But, uh, yeah, not a a too uh, controversial list from either of us there, I don't think. But, of course, Hanks can't do this alone. He needs supporting cast. And uh, what we did throughout season two is we took one supporting actor from each film and ranked their portrayal of of specific characters. So I'll kick us off with my top ten. So my favourite supporting character of season two was John Coffey, played by Michael Clark Duncan in the film The Green Mile. This was followed by Joe Miller, played by Denzel Washington in Philadelphia. Frank Abagnale Jr., played by Leonardo DiCaprio in Catch Me If You Can, took my third spot. Jenny, played by Robin Wright from the film Forrest Gump. Followed by Buzz Lightyear, played by Tim Allen, Toy Story just ahead of Susan in sixth place, played by Elizabeth Perkins, from the film Big. John Rooney, by the legendary Paul Newman, in the film Road to Position takes seventh spot. Abduwali Moussay, was played by Barkhad Abdi, in the film Captain Phillips, and he's in number eight. Kelly Frears-Love-It, played by Helen Hunt, in Castaway, was number nine. And bottom of the list from the film Saving Private Ryan was not Private Ryan himself, um we went with Edward Burns' character, Richard Ribbon, because he was second in the billing and was given a bit more screen time. But in, in my list, he came 10th out of 10. Jay, any major similarities or differences in your list?
0: I think this is the one where we got the quite a bit of variation. I'm not going to go through the, the characters, Andy, in terms of naming them, because you've obviously just named them, so I'm just going to quickly just categorize the not categorize I'm going to rank the the actors quickly save going through the the characters all over again so starting from one all the way to ten I've got Tim Allen Toy Story Denzel Washington Philadelphia Robin Wright Forrest Gump Michael Clark Duncan the Green Mile DiCaprio catch me if you can Helen Hunt from Castaway Paul Newman Road to petition Barkhard, Abdi, Captain Phillips Elizabeth Perkins big and Edward Burns saving private Ryan so I I went big in terms of Woody I'm not Woody I went big with Tim Allen and he stayed um, at my number one f- you know from was it week three that we did Toy Story Andy week three or four
1: he's been reigning number one uh, it was week three yes He says, just nervously looking at his notes, making (laughs) sure he doesn't have to edit anything out at the last minute. Keep talking, Jay, while I look through my (laughs) notebook.
0: It was early doors. It It was early doors. doors.
1: Yes, we went big, then Forrest Gump, then, this is the sound of my trusty notebook, then Toy Story week three, yes. I
0: I remember that Tim Allen, Buzz Lightyear, was just out there pretty much all season for me. Um, as well as yours, obviously would change depending on the, the films each week because obviously Green Mile and stuff like that, Catch Me If You Can, came later on in the season. So there are, and I suppose for me, there are some quite um, differences in terms of like Helen Hunt, mid, mid-table mid for me, but you had a um, fighting relegation in your list.
1: We went in with, with open eyes and obviously it's not, it's not like season one where we had a bunch of villains and a bunch of Bond girls, and you could give similarities and differences. These are very different roles, different films, different genres, so sometimes it can be quite tricky to to give them a ranking, but uh, we certainly did our best, and if anyone out there disagrees or has their own view, we'd love to hear from you.
0: Definitely, and continuing the the rankings is the all-important film rankings, so I'm going to kick us off this time. Again, 1 to 10, Forrest Gump achieved the season high for me, 9 out of 10. Saving Private Ryan, number two, 9 out of 10. So as we said countless times, we're not having any joint spots. So Forrest Gump is my reigning champion in season two, Philadelphia in, with eight out of 10, Toy Story in fourth spot, eight out of 10. Big in fifth, eight out of 10 four films here with seven out of ten so we got in in order to edition the green Mile*, catch me if you can and captain phillips and my lowest rated film in season two which might be surprising um it won't be if you listen to that episode but you know before this i was expecting this film to be a bit higher was *Castaway* with six out of ten so and and Andy, before i pass over to you that meant the average was 7.6 out of 10, so a above-average rating this season. Yeah,
1: it's a healthy overall score. We, we did watch some real quality, didn't we? Yeah, so my, my top 10 is as follows. Forrest Gump with the perfect 10 out of 10, tops my list. The Green Mile was 9 out of 10. Philadelphia was also a 9 out of 10. I had Saving Private Ryan in fourth with 8 out of 10, followed by Catch Me If You Can, which also was 8 out of 10. Then I had big Toy Story Captain Phillips, all with 7 out of 10 in that order. Castaway, like you, was a 6 out of 10, but that was ninth spot, not 10th, as propping up my table was Road to Perdition with 5 out of 10. So despite some differences, some similarities, uh, have been a bit, a bit more varied with my range of marks. Even after all that, I also have an average of 7.6 out of 10. So our overall thinking is basically the same, even though our individual film ratings may be different.
0: It is remarkable, Andy, because I think you commented last week in Catch Me, the Catch Me If You Can episode that my, my scorings were, um, the, the, the difference was quite small, you know, in terms of my top and bottom, and you've got a, a five-point difference between your top film and um, your bottom film there. Whereas I've only got three. Andy, before we move on, I just wondered, I want to put you um, under a bit of pressure now, a bit of a spotlight, because I've I've not mentioned this. Was there any surprises in terms of the the scorings for your films, in terms of when you went into this season, did you have, like, in the back of your mind, oh, this film's going to be, like, a 10, or this film's going to be in my top three, or, or I hate this film, but then when you watched it, it was better than... You record. Is there anything there that jumped out in terms of your top ten in well the the ten films that we've watched?
1: So I think from a negative point of view, Castaway I seem to recall being much, much better than it was. It was it was fine. It just, you know, lacked a bit of pacing and direction and it just didn't completely do it for me. Still solid but unspectacular. So that was a bit surprising because I seem to remember it being absolutely excellent. Um Philadelphia is one that I didn't remember much about but was just fantastic and rightly in its place in third the others are not so much surprising but there were elements that I didn't remember and it was good to good to revisit them and you know in a positive way Road to position, what I thought was disappointing considering the cast involved bottom of the list but in all seriousness Forest Gump I knew I didn't. I didn't want to preempt it because I wanted to keep an open mind. But I just knew it was going to be ten out of ten because I've watched it so many times, and it just seems to get better and better each time.
0: Yeah, I, I suppose from my point of view, obviously two of the films, Catch Me If You Can and Captain Phillips, I hadn't watched before. So again, I agree with you, Castaway. I thought would have scored higher because, from memory, I thought that was going to be. It was a better film, I suppose. From my point of view, the biggest surprise was The Green Mile. I thought that was better. But like I mentioned in that episode, that f- film, it felt it was it was too long. So I was a little bit surprised that one didn't get higher. But I think going into it, I probably... I, I would have said, if I'm being honest, The Green Mile, I would have put in my top three before going into season two. And obviously that, that's come down quite a bit and it is in your top three. So, that is that is the two important rankings. You know, me and Andy,
1: industry leaders, uh, I would say, industry and leaders. Yeah, there are some yes. other pretenders out there. We're going to talk about them in a second, aren't we? <laughs> yeah,
0: there we are. I mean, these these ones you probably never even heard of before. And um, I'm going to kick us off, and it's just, it's this little well-known, well little, um, well-known website called Rotten Tomatoes. So we've picked the top five ranked Hanks films. Now, I don't know if Andy was surprised about this and when I, uh, when I tell you um, guys about this, there is a theme here when I go through my top five of the films featured in the top five. So, I'm going to kick us off in number one spot, Toy Story with 100% and then a 92% audience score in number two spot, Toy Story 2. With 100% and 87%. Big is in third spot, 98, 82%. Unsurprisingly, Toy Story 3 in full spot with 98, 90%. And then making the top five is Toy Story 4. That's 97, 94. Now I'm a bit worried Andy that in the future if we ever recap this is going to be basically Toy Story 1, Toy Story 2, Toy Story 3, Toy Story 4, Toy Story 5. You've got this um, party crasher in a number third spot with big. So I don't know le- what what what's that like in York um, ranking Andy, in terms of the website you looked at, but I was I don't know. It, there's a lot of Toy Story in that list.
1: Yeah, clearly there's uh, some Disney crossover there, isn't there? And I mean the Toy Story films themselves aren't even ranked in the right order because three is way better than two and four is better than three. No, it's not <laughs> three is better than four. You'd go Toy Story one, three, four, two. I think. in in order of quality, so uh, Rotten Tomatoes, you see, this is why they're at best silver medalists to the Rating Room podcast but, you know, they try, (laughs) they try Another website that tries is IMDB, and uh, their top five slightly different, it has to be said Um, but they do agree with me on one point, and that is that the top film is Forrest Gump with an 8.8 rating Green Mile comes in second with 8.6 Saving Private Ryan is in third place with 8.6, and then a couple of familiar entries in fourth and fifth, Toy Story and Toy Story 3, both receiving an 8.3 score. At least they've got the Toy Stories in the right order, I'll give them that.
0: And to be fair Andy, their top two is your top two, and Saving Private Ryan only just misses out in your top three as well.
1: Indeed. It's uh maybe we've got listeners that contribute to the IMDB website and they just <laughs> use it. They're copying my homework. I doubt that's happening, but uh my my lawyers have advised me to say that that, that was clearly for entertainment purposes and there's no truth to that whatsoever.
0: So as we mentioned, we we've we've picked ten Tom Hanks films, um, randomly um in this season. So there are obviously a lot of films that we haven't managed to cover. Um in
1: Season 2. Yeah, there's a few that we'd probably like to, but didn't have the opportunity to. But you never know, we might include some of these in the future. Jay, what were some of yours that you'd have liked to have re-watched and recorded?
0: I know when we originally started talking about and mapping out Season 2, Andy, I know some of these were on now um, wider list before we kind of really focus on the 10. So um, I mentioned this earlier, Splash, very good film with the beautiful Daryl Hannah um dragnet is just i remember watching that as a kid it's an 80s classic that um is with dan Aykroyd, and it's it's a good body cop thinner and i love body cop films as well um turning hooch and it's another 80s classic and another body cop film but obviously with a twist this time because his partner is a dog um a league of their own um hanks might get top billing as the coach but he is brilliantly supported by gina davis madonna laurie petty and rosie o'donnell um apollo 13 um, i mentioned earlier um fantastic film and again another film with a strong cast you have got kevin bacon bill paxton gary sinisi ed harris um i've mentioned this a couple of times already you've got mail um, the dial up internet rom Um, And that's Hanks, Meg Ryan and what else do you want in a film in terms of romantic comedy. Now the Robert Langdon trilogy. I'm a bit mixed here because that's obviously Da Vinci, Code, Angels and Demons and Inferno. Now I really enjoyed the books. And in my head when I read the books. So I read them before they made the films. I never imagined Hanks in my head for this character so I wasn't overly pleased even though we, we both like Hanks I personally wasn't um, overly thrilled with the Hanks casting. in um, but the films are okay and a quick observation Andy the the films that I tend to like are definitely from the 80s or 90s um, that you seem to get the, the bigger hitters in um, those decades put in aside Toy Story What about you Andy? Any ones that you think are um, something you'd like to cover in the future? Well, you, you, you,
1: you say putting aside Toy Story, that was 95 That was right in the middle of Pete Hank's era wasn't it? Yeah. So uh, yeah, some some great films there I'm not going to repeat any, I'll try and come up with an original list but your list is fantastic and I'm sure we would have enjoyed most of them uh, I've added a few others, so Sleepless in Seattle um would you say that's the original Hanks and Ryan rom-com?
0: I suppose it depends how you look at it, because there is a film where they actually featured together before that, the Joe versus the Volcano film, which they appear together. And they are a, a couple in that film, especially at the end. So I, I think if you think about Hanks and Ryan, I, I personally do not think about Joe versus the Volcano. You do think about Sleepless in Seattle and um, You've Got Mail.
1: Yeah, so maybe you got me on a technicality, but I, Sleepers in Seattle is one I remember as being a classic. Another film that I've not seen or particularly familiar with until we uh, did the research is That Thing You Do. Um, it's the directorial debut of Hanks, so it feels like a real milestone moment in his career, so that might have been an interesting one to record. Uh, the Terminal, another film based on a true story. seem to remember this one being good. And the film Sully. Again, true story based on an event that happened not that long ago, actually. I think the real-life event that it's based on was only back in 2009, so it's within living memory. So that's uh, another twist on things. And just for giggles, really, this technically shouldn't be on the list because Hanks only has a a cameo, but the film Borat Subsequent Movie Film, or to give it its its full title, Breathe In, (gasps) borat subsequent movie film delivery of prodigious bribe to american regime for make benefit once glorious nation of kazakhstan it's just it's just a fun film um i think we could have had a fun recording that and there's probably loads of audio that we wouldn't be able to use as a result
0: so andy i'm gonna make a confession there the the five films that you've picked out there i've only ever seen sleepless in seattle so if I'm putting you on the spot, Andy, actually, I know you, you said you're not seeing the, that thing you do. If you had to direct in terms of saying, Jay, you, you've got to watch one of those other ones, which one would you pick for me?
1: So Sleepers in Seattle is the one you've seen. That would be a, the list. I would, I would say probably The Terminal. I think that's a, a really good film. And uh, it's a di- again, it's a different side to Hanks because I believe he plays... A foreign national, if memory serves, he doesn't play an American, so he's got a bit of an accent thing going on.
0: Yeah, he at uh, that. Um, I I haven't seen the film, but I'm aware of the storyline because I believe that the person it's based on died in the last year in real life.
1: I didn't realise that. Yeah, so uh, poignant reason to watch it. But uh, yeah, I'd recommend that. I believe Catherine Ceta Jones is the yes. co-star. yeah, of that yeah, film. she's in that. Yeah. yeah. Very good film, Catherine but uh, Sully's a good one as well, and and Borat is just silly. But, you know, technically not a Hanks film, so if you're wanting to watch a film for the, the acting chops of Tom Hanks, Borat's probably not the one to pick. So I would go with The Terminal.
0: So that's Andy's recommendation, and I just want to say there are some films by Tom Hanks that I, I didn't enjoy, and I've kind of mentioned it already. Joe Versus the Volcano is a film I do... I just don't like that film i just oh i don't like that film at all it's 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 silly um the lady killers the the remake and my dad from memory um likes the original um it's a film i just can't get on with and the burbs now that is a film that when i was a kid or you know a young adult um, because andy would probably pick up on my age here it's a film that I did find scary when I was younger, but I have re-watched it at least twice, and I just don't like it. I just can't put my finger on it. I just don't like that one. So, Andy, is there any films that you've seen that you, you dislike or you know, you wouldn't recommend?
1: It's difficult because I'm such a big fan of, of Hank's Sense Why We it in season two. The one film that comes to mind that I, I watched and didn't enjoy was cloud atlas now cloud atlas as you mentioned earlier is a bit science fictiony it's basically i think it's split into six different stories in different time zones not, not time zones like time frames like thousands of years apart and it's six different sets of characters but all played by the same actors so hanks plays six parts Halle Berry plays six parts whoever else in it plays six parts and I just don't know how they all link together. If they do, it was very confusing, very messy, and it's about seventy-three days long as well. <laughs> so, but not one I would recommend.
0: You know, when you t- you say that they play the same characters, in my head I just think of that Eddie Murphy film.
1: <laughs> you know, when you play oh, like uh, Norbit <laughs> or Nutty <laughs> Professor, those kind <laughs> yeah. of things. Yeah, I mean, it's—it's. It's, I should probably clarify. Within, like, the mini-story, they've all got their own individual characters, but there's, like, six mini-stories that I don't know how they're linked together. And, uh, yeah, it's just it's just really bizarre. It's really long and uh, really dull. Well,
0: yeah, I'll stay away from that one,
1: Andy. We can't end the episode on that note. Um, I think it has to be said, our overall feeling is season two has been very, very enjoyable, and Tom Hanks... Is an industry legend, one of the greatest actors of all time, and certainly, I would say probably one of my two or three favorite actors ever. So um, we really appreciate his continuing work in the genre. But that is the end of today's episode. We thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed it.
0: We do love hearing from our listeners, and we do encourage you to email us with any feedback, questions, suggestions that you may have, and you know if you disagree, let us know. And input does help us create better content and it does make the show more engaging for everyone
1: as always don't hesitate reach out to us on the rating room at gmail.com and we'll of course respond to every email that we receive
0: and obviously you can contact us for our website we've got all the show notes on there all the rankings, and as I mentioned before, it's www.theratingroom.com. And we do have a YouTube channel, so make sure you subscribe to that as well. And it's at the rating
1: room. Yeah, maybe just set one of those to your homepage for your browser. Um, but if you don't want to go down that route, maybe try Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram. Follow us on any and all of those on at the rating room. Send us a message, leave us a comment, and be sure to follow us to stay up to date with all the latest episodes, information, and news. And speaking of news, we should probably give the the listeners some news about what we're planning over the next several weeks, aren't we? So this is the end of Season 2. Season 3, if we can call it a season, is coming very soon, but we've got something pretty special coming up over the next few weeks. We're going to do brand new content mixed in with some classic Rating Room content because we're going to do the Rating Room Revisited with James Bond, and we're going to, over the next six weeks, we're going to be talking about some of the James Bond films, some of the James Bond actors, and also giving you a chance to revisit some of the older podcasts for those listeners who may not have heard it, but it's got uh, a mix of old and new classic and original content over the next few weeks, and then something very special lined up for season three and beyond, so stay tuned to the podcast and stay tuned to our social media for more information as and when it becomes available but in the meantime thanks for listening and we'll see you soon right here on the rating room